Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. So I always think that man flu is real, but women get more autoimmune diseases because there's evidence that... You heard it here. <laughs> man flu is real. Welcome to the Doctor's Kitchen podcast with me, Dr. Rupi. This is going to be part two of the fascinating conversation I was having with Dr. Jenna Machoki, who is an immunologist who lectures at the University of Sussex. It's an absolutely fascinating in-depth look at what the immune system is and what immunity and supporting it actually means. If you haven't listened to episode one, I highly recommend you do that before listening to this podcast. Don't forget my first book, the best-selling Doctor's Kitchen is out now. So if you haven't got a copy make sure you pick it up online or in all good bookstores let's go back into it so to make this show happen we need a sponsor and i'm always very careful about who i sponsor and what i promote and i'm very proud to promote mindful chef to sponsor this show Mindful Chef are fantastic. They make healthy eating easy and fun. They deliver these nutritionally dense recipe boxes for you to cook at home. They're all less than 30 minutes. They're about 16 new recipes every week. They are giving you £10 off each of your first two boxes plus a free cookbook. All you need to do is go to mindfulchef.com forward slash kitchen and order your first box and I'll throw in that cookbook as well. And it's just a very good way of starting your week right, adding some balance into your life. All the recipes are low in refined carbohydrates and they suit all diet types. So whether you're vegan or whether you like to have a little bit of meat into your diet, they're great. They a champion British produce and everything is organic and super super good for you. I've actually had one of the boxes sent to me and I thought it was very easy to make uh, I had a, a vegetarian chilli with like black beans and mushrooms and the spices were great, there was about three portions of veggies and it was just generally a very easy to use box so if you're interested to get 10 quid off each of your first two boxes so that's a total of £20 all you need to do is go to mindfulchef.com forward slash kitchen and order your first box autoimmunity is a big topic i feel uh, these yes. days like uh <coughs> what, what is your impression of why we are seeing 
increasing rates of autoimmunity across the board. Yeah. I mean, it's not just celiac disease we're talking about. It's not just uh, IBD, yeah. but ev- everything that I'm seeing, uh, yes. certainly from an anecdotal uh, frontline NHS point of view, it's just going up and up and up. Yes. And there's so many different theories that, you know, sanitation, the hygiene hypothesis and all these different yeah. things. It's probably going to be a combination of a whole bunch yeah. of things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like whenever I'm um, teaching uh, at the university, I'm like, nothing in immunology is straightforward. Most questions will be answered well it depends Mm -hmm. (laughs) so it's definitely multifactorial you cannot deny that there is an increase in the prevalence of autoimmune diseases and also allergies which is just when your immune system is going awry there's definitely a genetic component to it Um, in fact this going back to in the beginning when I mentioned about how we're all genetically very different there's some genes that that predispose you to autoimmunity that actually protect you from things like HIV. So it's really unique. So there's a particular type of um, compatibility gene that protects from ankylosing spondylitis. So it's quite a horrible autoimmune disease. Um, And if you have that gene, you've got a really high risk of getting ankylosing spondylitis. Uh It's not sufficient, Mm -hmm. but it's a really high risk. but uh, it it affects how the HIV virus can um, proliferate in your mm-hmm. T cells, mm-hmm. and it actually is makes you highly protected from HIV. So it just goes to show that, that the That's immune amazing. system, yeah, it's <laughs> it's really cool. You yeah. should look it up. Yeah. To me, it's just that beauty of the immune system where it's there's always a compromise. It's like give and take a little bit. So one gene might predispose you to autoimmunity, yeah. but it might protect you from something really nasty, which is perhaps why evolutionarily we've held on to it. Yeah, it's kind of like sickle cell, right? If yes. you have the trait of sickle cell, yeah. uh, you're protected against malaria yeah. because the malaria. If when you, if you're affected by malarial um, virus, then your yeah. cell will auto destruct. Yeah. The yeah. the other kind of interesting thing about um, autoimmune disease is that almost eighty percent of them are in women. So I always think that man flu is real, but women <laughs> yeah. get more autoimmune diseases <laughs> because there's evidence you heard it that <laughs> man flu is real, yeah. guys. Men um, seem to suffer for longer with infections, whereas uh-huh. women have much more aggressive uh-huh. immune responses, and sometimes that tips over into autoimmunity. Ah, okay. So boosting so, your immune system again? Yeah, uh, is it might not, not actually be. Most of uh, autoimmune diseases seem to spring up in women. Um, around the age 20s, 30s, 40s. And it actually, your risk seems to decrease after the menopause. So mm. we know that there's something to do with the hormones. Gotcha. We know that the immune cells have receptors for both estrogen and progesterone. And also testosterone is involved as well. Testosterone seems to be a little bit immune regulating, which is why men don't seem to have an as aggressive immune response. So they're not as good as fighting off infections as yeah. women. But it's a really complicated picture. Um, So perhaps regulating your hormones is going to be something that's, you know, going to take care of your uh, body and and help with your autoimmune risk. But there's so many theories about... um, Definitely, yeah. And actually, this is why, like, uh, the science is complex, but sometimes the solution for some people, and certainly there is some evidence to show, uh, is that the 
the the solutions just in, involve putting your body in the best environment as possible yes. where you allow your body to operate functionally optimally yes. yeah and um this is why i'm quite interested in the uh process of autoimmune protocols and autoimmune diets yes. yeah. that are essentially taking out a lot of processed uh, foods yep. introducing more whole foods yep. and there are certain ones you know there's various shades of gray right there's the whole food plant-based diet there's mm-hmm. the whole food paleolithic style diets yeah. there's even a carnivorous diet i don't know if you've heard of that it's, i uh, actually and, uh, met someone who was doing that oh, really? the other week i couldn't keep a straight face okay. i was just like <laughs> i was like i'm so curious yeah. i want to ask you so many questions i know they were a yoga teacher and oh, i was really? just in the yoga class oh wow carnivorous but they were diet, yoga teacher That's quite like vocal about only eating meat okay that. I just wanted to ask her so many questions, but yeah. it didn't. I just, <laughs> I just, you know, from what we know about uh, carbohydrates and yeah. fiber and the need for your yeah. to feed your microbiota, it just doesn't sound very intuitive. I was kind of thinking, come back in, in in thirty years of only eating meat and then see how things are. Yeah. Because, yeah, I can't imagine that's going to be very. Good you know, for you. she was also like, you know, really early twenties, and I think when I was that young, I could do a lot of stuff to my body, and it bounced back <laughs> because I, you know, I was young enough to deal with it yeah yeah probably but, but saying that autoimmune protocols have been very effective specifically yeah. with regard to inflammatory bowel disease um yes so there's lots of evidence or lots of theories as to why that might be the case yes. there might be some certain food intolerances there might be some uh aspects of the microbial population yes. how it differs with whole food so yeah exactly that's for me i think that's probably one of the biggest impacts that makes a lot of these protocols successful is depending on a dysbiosis in in the patient so there is a lot of evidence that having a dysbiosis in your microbiome can be a trigger for autoimmunity so i mentioned that there's genetic component there's a hormonal component there's various different environmental things that can be all you're sort of looking to generate the perfect storm of um, events that are necessary and sufficient to develop an autoimmune disease and I know that um, the microbiome is one of those yeah. so if the, if the microbiome is perturbed this could be due to having an infection or um, antibiotics for example um, then those bacteria are, are going to be producing different things so we're feeding them they're eating the food we eat and they're producing we call them postbiotics so it's like your own personalized pharmacy of, of my, uh, molecules from them eating your food and if the bacteria are a bit off or you don't have the right populations in the right proportions perhaps there's an absence of those metabolites that they're producing or they're producing different ones and this is exacerbating an autoimmune Uh, disease that Mm. you might have Mm. but we're speaking kind of broad strokes because obviously there's so many different autoimmune diseases and there's no one single trigger it's going to be this kind of perfect storm yeah it's going to be a mixture of your genomics uh, uh, your nutrition and also your lifestyle and I think that's probably a good way to sort of segue into talking about food (laughs) yes exactly because we are I mean there's so many different topics that we could talk about there's the mitochondrial stuff there's the uh, hormesis and I'm fascinated by plant uh, hormetics I think that it is a very good metaphor for um, um, uh, for, for how we are as human beings, mm-hmm. this whole constant state of balance. Yeah. In fact, actually, you've got a really good definition of uh, hormesis on your website. Uh, oh yes. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I've been reading your, I've been reading your uh, blogs. <laughs> I think it's great. But would you would you mind talking about what hormesis actually means? Yeah. So hormesis is is a really interesting concept, and I think um, it, it plays into that the poisons in the dose. You know. Um, 
a lot of things are good for us, but it depends on how much we're having. You know, mm. too much of anything is probably going to give us some kind of unpleasant um, symptoms, whether that's exercise or a particular food and you just eat too much of it. Um, or and water. Not, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So hormesis is, um, yeah, this sort of biphasic response where small amounts of something that's quite stressful for the body can actually um, promote an adaptation to deal with that better. So increasing the resilience, whereas high amounts can just be toxic. And um, you find that with food in terms of these phytonutrients. So those are things that are part of the plant's defences that, you know, they can't run away. So they produce these chemicals when they're damaged or chopped. I know you've had um, discussions on the pod before. Yeah, we discussed this with Dr. Anita, who's a colleague of ours, uh, is a gynecologist, and we talked about um, phytonutrients, in particular turmeric. Turmeric. And so if you're a fan of how these actually exhibit a a, a mild noxious effect to the body, but an overall resilient compensatory response, which is why these to benefits, which I think is, I think it's awesome because there's this whole phenomenon of like introducing ingredients into your body to detox or to uh, reduce inflammation. But actually what these (laughs) ingredients are doing is the exact opposite in a small amount. And it's encouraging your body to actually be more resilient. Yes, exactly. And uh, and it's getting rid of these old immune cells that might be going wrong because they're more susceptible to the stress of these phytonutrients that are um, exhibiting this kind of hormetic stress on our body. So, yeah, I think the power... The interesting thing about phytonutrients is... um, that they're not actually part of our RDA, are they? This recommended daily allowance. Yeah. We all know that we should have so much vitamin C, da da da. Yeah. But um, people don't really know about phytonutrients. In of that which sense. there are thousands of them yeah, as well, and like, so it's quite hard to quantify. We we haven't really studied them as well as no. we'd like to. There's at this probably point. one or two that are quite highly studied. You mentioned sulforaphane, which I yeah. think is a great example. Turmeric or curcumin, which is the active ingredient. Mm. Um, but interestingly, they did some studies with them, um, turmeric that had the curcumin removed, uh-huh. and they found it still had um, some of the benefits uh, of the spice. So it shows you it's not just the it's not the just curcumin. one thing. Yeah. yeah, and I think we've we've done the same thing with uh, resveratrol that you find yes. in grape and red wine, yeah. and you know some studies show it does have a benefit, others don't, and it's really about getting back to eating whole as oh, much as yes. possible because yeah. your humble apple will have pectins and it will have. Uh, quercetin and a whole yeah. bunch of other phytochemicals that we probably haven't even discovered yet yeah. that leads to ultimate benefits which yeah. is why eating an apple a day I don't want to spend the rest of the <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to finish the rest of that line but you know it's it's really important so mm-hmm. going to food and specific ingredients there yes. isn't actually one specific set no. of ingredients really it's just about eating exactly the rainbow so I have my kind of key things that I like to focus on because mm-hmm. people love to ask me like how what? do I boost my immune <laughs> yeah, system yeah. and it's always things like vitamin C vitamin E yeah. and of course your, your immune system needs as I said before it needs all of the the macronutrients it needs proteins fiber and carbohydrates fats but it also needs all of the micronutrients the vitamins and minerals that that you know you've we all know about it and you have the recommended daily allowance And you'll find for. in a general balanced diet, actually. Yes, and that's what exactly. I find. Most people are hitting the RDA for a lot of things. Yeah. But it's the phytonutrients that we that's don't have an RDA for exactly. that it's may lead to the op- health optimization. Yeah. yeah. And there's little to no evidence for supplementing with vitamins and minerals to, for want of a better word, boost your immune system better than it's already at baseline. Vitamin and mineral supplements protect from diseases of deficiency Mm -hmm. so if you're deficient they will protect from that but I think they've kind of been boosted up to some kind of um, you know 
gold status where they offer some extra benefits and high amounts and some of the, the studies are quite interesting because it actually shows that eating a diet rich in vitamin E for example is associated with a lot of um, health span and, and health benefits in the long term but vitamin E supplements uh, at certain doses are actually quite toxic yeah. so it shows you that the dietary context is really much more useful mm. than a supplement on its own so there's very little evidence to supplement unless you're plugging specific holes in your diet or you know that you're deficient in things for your, your vitamins and minerals. And when you think um, about what a diet looks like that is high in vitamin C and E, yeah. for example, yeah. you'll realise, you know, that's dark green leafy vegetables, yeah. it's lots of citrus fruit, it's nuts and seeds, yeah. which are really good sources of other sorts of minerals like zinc and magnesium. And uh, so it's it's no wonder that the dietary component yes. uh, is so much more efficient uh, and better beneficial than just yeah. isolating one particular element of the diet exactly it. it's like that multi-pronged approach there's been numerous attempts to try and put sulforaphane in a capsule yeah <laughs> yeah i've seen it's those, just yeah. not really um proved very well i mean i think there was a guy in in, in the u.s that, that works quite a lot on your sulforaphane and he looked at a lot of the supplements that were out there and tested them and it's so hard to capture the bioavailability and put it in a pill and have that shelf stable form that you can take um, opposed to getting it fresh from cruciferous vegetables. Absolutely. It's just, uh, there's real problems with like bioavailability. Mm. Um, and there's also been numerous studies of, you know, things like garlic. So garlic's quite known for being um, a good treatment to, it's got kind of antiviral properties. And so people make garlic supplements. But there's a lot of uh, studies showing that these can be quite toxic because they have to go through the liver. And um, you don't quite know what dose you should be aiming for when you're randomly buying a supplement, opposed to just putting some garlic in your cooking. I think yeah. this is one of the things I love about your cooking is that yeah. <laughs> you make um, you make variety from like from quite an, like a minimal amount of things because you're introducing a lot of herbs and spices yeah. and they all contain phytonutrients. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so you're kind of jazzing up real basic staples that you might have in your cupboard and just tipping over the edge to the, to give them that extra bit of um, yeah, nutrition. Yeah, boost, yeah. yeah, yeah. Which I, I think I think I read um, one of your blogs, uh, and it's something I've come across before in some studies about crushing garlic and allowing it to yeah. steep for about 10 minutes, so yeah. it increases the concentration of allicin. Allicin, yeah. Yeah, so I think um, it's these little tips and tricks, like there's a reason that we crush garlic, yeah. you know. It's yeah. Like, yeah. A lot of it is just, it's intuitive or it's old wives' tales, and I love kind of exploring the science of that and yeah. just kind of bringing that to the surface and yeah. um, and things like turmeric you know I'm sure if I walk down the street in London I can get myself a turmeric latte <laughs> yeah, yeah. but will the will that be very bioavailable mm. will any of it actually get into my blood mm. or if I make a curry tonight and I throw in lots of black pepper lots of like coconut milk and mm. different spices mm. That's how you're meant to have turmeric yeah, in a meal, yeah. and the bioavailability is so much better than you know a capsule or a, you know. Are there any latte. other standout herbs that, um, like uh, alongside ginger, <coughs> garlic, and uh, onion, that that stand out in terms of an immunological uh, sort of? No, I think it's it's for me it's it's the phytonutrients and it's the fiber. Mm. So the fiber is having that direct effect on the microbiome they are the ones that are really instructing your immune system to get that right balance. Yeah. Um, they're producing this whole cacophony of different nutrients as they digest your food. So you've got to give them the right stuff. 
and they're going to produce the right things. And they can measure them in the blood. Now, I know that um, there's numerous studies looking at these sort of postbiotics, the things the bacteria are producing. Yeah. And, you know, they're going all over the body and having an effect on it. So I always think it's fiber, it's phytos, and then the right fats. So those Great. are my kind of three things that I'm big on. What, can I, what are your favorite types of fats? So fats... Um, Definitely minimizing like the trans fats. We know these are not yeah. good for us. Um, I guess I, I really think about the omega-3, omega-6 ratio okay. and how those work. So I used to work on um, resolution of inflammation and chronic inflammation. And um, the omega-3s and omega-6s get incorporated into the, the cell membranes. And they, they can hang around for quite a long time. So if you think of what you're consuming in your diet, you know, three, four months down the line, that might still be inside your cell membranes. Yeah, so it's kind yeah. of That's always really good to have the yeah, long-term yeah. <laughs> picture. Um, and omega-6s are important, uh -huh. but they help us, uh, they help our immune cells to really produce those inflammatory responses mm. that help get rid of infections. Mm and fight the, the various bugs that are around us. So they are important. And then the omega-3 fats switch to resolution. So inflammation is a cyclic process. We have the, the firefighting part, and then there's an actual active switch that comes only when you have that first part that promotes resolution. And resolution is active. We, we tend to kind of forget about resolution. Yeah. It's like that just passively happens at the end of an infection. Mm. Um, but the omega-3s are really important and they kind of mitigate and offset the omega-6s. But if you have a diet that's quite high in omega-6 fats, the omega-3s don't really get a look in. So yeah. you really have to work on um, boosting the omega-3s and then reducing yeah. the omega-6s to when you find actually, the ratio. When you concentrate on whole sources of fats and, and yeah. whole foods, really you're going to get that natural ratio, yeah. which is either equivalent or one to four, I believe, yes. which yeah. is what we've ele evolutionarily been adapted yeah. to. It's the introduction, uh, introduction of um, desirous oils, processed yeah. foods, uh, yeah. poor quality fats, essentially, yes. that put us up in the omega-6, which is yeah. still important. Like you've, yes. like, yeah. I'm, I'm really glad you point that out because a lot of people yeah. are just very fearful full of omega-6 but it's a very important for a stress response yeah um but it's just focusing on whole foods you'll naturally get that balance yes. yeah exactly and um yeah i think that's a really really important point so yeah big on the omega-3s and i think where you get them from is is yeah kind of interesting as well like fish and we have to think about the sort of environmental impact of that and the vegan sources it's a little bit harder for a body to get those yeah so i recommend um algae sources um ah, yes. there's some really good sources yeah. of uh, omega-3 in the long chain format so epa yeah. and dha that you can get from algae uh but they're a little bit more expensive and yeah. less easy to find as well I find yeah. for, uh, for certain people you can get them online these days rather than uh, i feel like over the years when they've started to focus on particular nutrients and the immune response we, we kind of we know vitamin c is important it's not like the magic bullet yeah. but it kind of didn't yield a lot of useful information to focus on the individual vitamins or nutrients and so they started to look at dietary patterns uh -huh. and this is where we really see the mediterranean style diet lots of antioxidants um and it sort of depends where you live as well if you have a stressful life in a big city you're exposed to a lot of pollution you might have a greater need for antioxidants and again food is the best source mm. of these because 
if you take too many in a supplement, it can actually be pro-oxidant. So yeah. you have to be very careful. A lot of people don't realise that about how yeah. uh, vitamin C has a pro-oxidant effect. Yes, exactly. And that's yeah. actually how it may elicit some of its benefits yeah. as well. But taken in an isolated format, which is very unnatural in terms yeah. of its amount, may yeah. lead to some side effects as exactly. well. Exactly, yeah. So yeah, the, the fibre, the phytos... And the good fats. And the good fats. Taking care of your microbiome. <laughs> yeah. There's a, some evidence around prebiotics and probiotics. But I think, again, that's kind of muddy waters because we all have a different starting point. With So you can suggest one particular probiotic that's going to yeah. know, help. I think we're not there yet, but that's, that, that's an emerging field. Definitely. There's definitely some evidence of antibiotic use actually making you more susceptible to infection long term yeah so um this i think is something that's it's quite topical because everyone's trying to be a bit more careful with antibiotic use um and it's interesting that using antibiotics might actually end up to you being more susceptible to infection long term so mm-hmm. hopefully that we can steer and start to change that as people are uh, more careful in prescribing those. this is something i talk to a lot of my patients yeah. about actually about how unnecessary use of antibiotics yeah. which a lot of people want still yeah. um can actually put them in uh, a, a worse state yes. down the line what's your opinion on pre and post uh, probiotics uh, during antibiotic use do you have a, a position on that or yeah there's definitely uh, some studies looking at that and there's particular strains that they've tried to pinpoint I just feel like because we're all unique in our diversity it's kind of if you want to take a probiotic that might be suggested to be helpful go for it um, perhaps it's a bit of um, placebo effect mm-hmm. but um, I think it's probably worthwhile I think doing all that you can to preserve your microbiome yeah. so feeding it the right things having a good pattern of eating um, particular um, soil based probiotics so the ones that have a bit more of a uh, a shield that help them get down into the large intestine seem to be more useful um, and I think if it's available to you then it's perhaps useful to, to yeah. do that it's a, a conversation I have very often with patients who come into the emergency department and I often give uh, some antibiotics and I talk to them about the, a few things that anything yeah. that nurtures their microbiome yeah. will be exactly. likely be beneficial for yeah. them if not to protect them against the potential negative impacts yeah. of having antibiotics exactly. so optimizing sleep reducing yes. your processed and convenience foods and sugar yes increasing your whole foods particularly yeah. uh, with a, a focus on prebiotic fibers so yeah. chicory artichokes yeah, garlic exactly. onion it's, um, it's not just one type of fiber is it you've got so many different bugs in there you, exactly yeah I, I see a lot of um prepared foods that have added fiber and it's only going to be one or two types and that's not really i don't think that's a good message to give to people that they should uh, oh i've got my fiber for the day you you should really be thinking about different sources it's the whole sources and the ones that we probably haven't even discovered yet because this this is an emerging field and so you're a huge advocate of lifestyle as well as uh, the foods and nutrition and stuff so this is really important from the perspective of immunity as well so we talked a bit about stress and how that might have a negative impact on uh, immunology or your immune system um are there any certain practices that you like to talk about uh, or practice yourself the reason that i got into kind of um looking beyond nutrition was i kind of felt like 
it was just one leg of the chair. Like you can have the best diet in the world and everything else is not right. And you're still going to be um, impacting your immune system. And I think stress is a massive one. So we've, we've mentioned a little bit about that. Uh, and then the other areas that I kind of got interested in was um, sleep and exercise. So exercise is, is fantastic, I think, for all around for health benefits. But there's something quite unique about the uh, exercise and the immune system in terms of health and longevity. And this is a personal area that I'm really passionate about because we're living longer, but we're not necessarily living well. Uh-huh. And I personally want to not necessarily live to be 100, but I want to be active and yeah. I want to see my family grow up. And um, so I'm really quite interested in longevity. And I think it was last year or the year before, there was a really fantastic study where they looked at a 70-year-old cyclists so they're all around 70 and they're in a cycle club so there were active cyclists um, uh, and they compared them to sedentary 20 somethings and what they found was there's this process that starts in to decline in immunity from age 20 so we have the thymus gland um, which is located in the neck and this is uh, responsible for producing the t-cells of the immune system which are like the master controllers and from around age 20 your thymus gland actually starts to shrink and we call it thymic involution so that's quite a scary thought because mm. you know from 20 those t-cells are just declining mm. um, and what they found was when they were looking at these sedentary 20-somethings and the really active 70-year-olds when you're using your skeletal muscle like the cyclists were and you're maintaining a muscle mass uh, into old age those muscles are producing um, a very particular molecule um, um, IL-7 so this is actually stimulating the thymus gland and stopping it from shrinking and they had much better thymus capacity than the sedentary um, 20 something. That's fascinating. So it's I'll, I'll have of, to link to that yes, paper yeah. on the show notes it's, for sure. Uh, but yeah, from, no, I'm uh, definitely going to give a read. Yeah, Professor Janet Lord in Birmingham University. Right. I think one of the professors on the paper uh, was actually the psych- went in the cyclist class. Oh, really? So, <laughs> yeah. A l- little bit biased yeah, there, Yeah, exactly. Maybe. <laughs> I wonder where they got the sedentary 20 hours from. Maybe yeah, was, uh, exactly. Yeah. But uh, I think movement is so important. So not only maintaining muscle mass and the muscles are producing something that's slowing down the aging of your thymus gland it's mm. slowing down the decline in our immune system but movement is activating your lymphatic system so I think we haven't mentioned the lymphatics yeah. yet but that's the, the, the sort of super highways of the immune system so it's it's like a circulatory system like your blood but instead of the where the blood is relying on the heart to pump it, the immune system of the lymphatics relies on movement mm-hmm. to to move it around. And by moving your lymph fluid through the lymphatics, you're distributing the cells to all the different parts of your body so they can perform a kind of surveillance f- function. So they're going to be moving to the lymph nodes, um, to the gut, to the lungs. So they're protecting and, and they're constantly on guard. And so movement any kind of movement walking is going to get that going just as you were talking there i just had this mm-hmm. image of like essentially the evolution of yeah. man essentially walking across the plains we're yeah. moving we're sleeping adequate amounts yeah. we're eating whole natural foods yeah. that are minimally processed and we're also eating within that time period yeah. as well because we probably wouldn't have been eating in the yeah, middle of the night exactly. either and that really is a metaphor for how 
to boost our immune system. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> For want of a better word. <laughs> to essentially improve mm-hmm. and support our immune system. Yes. Uh, yeah. Which uh, I, I think we've pretty much summed up in like a whole bunch of different yeah. we've talking for ages. <laughs> so we've got this new part of the show where okay. we do rapid fire questions. Excellent. I took a poll from social media, a whole bunch of questions <laughs> were generated and we're just going to give you 10 seconds to answer. <gasps> oh, pass. <laughs> 10 seconds to, to answer each one. We'll just keep it brief. I know right. we're probably not going to be able to keep it brief. We'll try we'll, and we'll 10 try, seconds. We'll yeah. try and rein in the tangents. Okay, fine. This is probably going to be a complicated one to start off with, but <laughs> should we be aggressively treating fever with over-the-counter medications in when we've got a simple viral illness? Oh, controversial. No. <laughs> Let the fever do its thing. If it's going on more than a week, go see your doctor. Fever is productive. That is really interesting. changing I, tides in, in the information. Definitely, yeah. Because yeah. I don't think even a lot of doctors are aware of this information yes. that, yeah. you know, aggressively treating pyrexia. Yeah. A, this is, I mean, this the spiel that I give to a lot of patients, particularly young children yeah. who have, you know, very worried parents and they want to aggressively, yeah. like, get rid of any fever whatsoever don't doesn't actually lead to positive outcomes no but as you know we've just learned today about adults you know that actually might lead to worse outcomes yes exactly so reducing the fever might mean you're sick for longer so you know going to the the pharmacy getting all those over-the-counter meds for however many however much money you spend just so you can struggle through work it might mean you're just like sick for longer and i think we should respond to the sickness behaviors yeah so that's what we call um the effect of these immune mediators when we're sick actually having on the brain and telling mm. us to retreat, go and sleep, go and rest. You might not feel like doing anything and, yeah. and, and riding out the fever. And that's the quickest way to get well, because most of these colds and flus are self-limiting. Yeah. Unless you have an underlying health condition. Exactly. But, yeah. yeah. And that's where you need to get help. You need to, you know, certainly take something from mm. your doctor and be directed by your yeah. physician. But yeah. uh, certainly I think listening and becoming your, the expert of your own health where your brain is telling you, you know yes. what? I need to I need to rest I yeah. need to relax and exactly definitely okay elderberry is it worth the hype <laughs> uh, no, I, I did look into this uh, quite a while ago, and a lot of the studies were funded by uh, the companies that make the, the syrups. <laughs> so it arises suspicion. Oh, okay. But I do think anything that's a bit comforting and rich in in phytonutrients. Um, is going to be useful so it doesn't necessarily have to be that but anything yeah anything. <laughs> any berries or you know a lot of it's like a panacea to make you feel better yes you know, yeah it's not just one thing it's going to be yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay on that note Jewish mm-hmm. penicillin does that yeah. have an effect well yeah there's something about something that they find in chicken soup so, so j- the- j- just to clarify Jewish penicillin is a, a rich broth of chicken soup and yeah. uh, veggies and, yes. and yeah it makes so, you feel absolutely amazing <laughs> yeah the, the L-carnosine which is found particularly in chicken stock so it's unfortunately not in the vegetarian version combined with it, the fact that it's warm and soothing so it's the steam is, is helping clear the nose and it's going to have all those nice um, vegetables inside and mm. um, they actually affect your immune cells and what they're doing so there are studies on that that's so fantastic yeah. that's good I, I actually put a medicinal broth as a oh, recipe in my first yes. book The Doctor's Kitchen it's the and... first thing I go to when I get sick oh, like my mum's recipe <laughs> <laughs> that's great yeah. I add like star anise and clove and garlic oh, and all these yes. different things and it's just I mean and it the tastes steam wonderful. actually because the, the, the reason we're more prone to viruses in winter is because it's 
cooler and the air inside our nose is a bit cooler and they prefer that mm. so our temperature going up but also steaming bowl of soup and you're inhaling the steam it makes it a bit more uncomfortable for the viruses and it helps your immune cells work a bit better so. that is a top <laughs> tip that's great because i'm aware that the rhinovirus at the back of your throat mm-hmm. uh, thrives at a low temperature yeah. which is why you see them more in winter, yeah, more in winter there's yeah. a whole bunch of different theories yeah. out there it's very interesting <laughs> okay uh loads of people are asking about quick ways to boost immunity but as we are probably gathered <laughs> it's not as simple get as enough that. sleep most of the time <laughs> yeah. eat well most of the time sleep well most of the time <laughs> and it's normal to get the odd infection it's you know we live in a microbial world but when it's you know more than you might think is normal maybe go see your doctor is there a way to completely cease a cold if you have one or do you just have to roll with it I think you've got to roll with it. I think this cold is a self-limiting infection in, in normal, healthy adults. And again, tune in to what your body is telling you to do. It's probably not telling you to go to work or go to the gym or do any of those things. It's probably making you feel like you don't want to see anyone. You want to lie down and rest and, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, <laughs> Is there a role for daily probiotics? Well, um, yeah, there's all sorts of headlines come out about probiotics. So we don't know if they're working in everyone because we all have a very different starting point and our microbiome is very different. So if you're throwing in a probiotic, whether your body is actually going to make space for that or not. But we do know that they normally only work during the time you're taking them. They don't often set up residence in the body. So mm. if you're taking something and you feel like it's serving you well, you then, know, carry on. then carry yeah, on exactly. if it's yeah. open to you I yeah. think it's really down to the person and personally yeah. I don't take a probiotic every day but I do make sure I get a whole bunch of different yes, prebiotics exactly because prebiotics feeding that huge immense yeah population of trillions of different bugs yeah. uh, it's probably going to have yeah. the biggest effect rather I than kinda, taking an isolated something yeah when like I that. think about my diet now I kind of think about um, eating for my bugs as well and like you know what, what do they want I think it's a very good perspective yeah. it's kind of like what do they want exactly because <laughs> our digestion is actually quite basic and then the bacteria are digesting a lot of it for us and liberating a lot Massively. of the nutrients for, for us so your diet could be amazing but your, your microbiome is not all there because of you know past antibiotics or whatever and um, you won't be getting the best out of your diet so it's worth kind of you know as a long-term strategy really trying to nurture that I think. Do we have to completely ban sugar to improve our immunity? Oh that's a tricky one yeah (laughs) I think you've got to think about overall dietary pattern um I, as I mentioned before we know fructose has quite a dramatic effect on the gut barrier that's a fruit sugar but that can be quite easily counteracted with lots of fibre in the diet. Which and you naturally have in a whole yeah, piece of fruit. Yeah, if you're eating yeah. fruit. Yeah, so you kind of have to think about how you're eating overall. Mm. Um, the active part of the immune system that's fighting infection, so we have sort of the active and the more regulating part, it is very glycolytic, so it, it loves sugar. It uses that to fight an infection. That's not to say that eating sugar is going to cause that, but mm. when you already have an infection, um, there is actually some evidence you know the old adage of um feed a cold start starve a fever because a fever is a much more aggressive immune response um they did do some uh, experiments to look at that and they found that the the reason that you might want to not eat when you have a fever is to maybe just tap the brakes on the immune system because um you're just withholding the glucose and and maybe that's stopping it being too aggressive and stopping you feeling really really sick so but again that's you know over a really short frame of time yeah that 
you know, not a long-term thing. So yeah, think about the whole picture. It's going to be the whole picture. Yeah, yeah no, definitely. Yeah, I'm you've got a, to. It's. I think it's. Uh, we run the risk of demonising one particular yes, micronu- yeah. macronutrient, and um, <clears throat> I just think it's it's quite short-sighted. And yeah. uh, you know, sugar is like we discussed one of the most important molecules in the body. Yeah, with glucose and there's different monosaccharide forms. So I also think you know it's at this time of year. It's 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 sharing fun times with colleagues and friends and family and that's tapping into the endorphins yeah. which is also important for your immune system if you're stressed about trying to avoid sugar when we're you know you're literally walking down um, the street with quality street yeah. and <laughs> chocolates and mince pies <laughs> then you know that stress is not uh, you know yeah. you have to sort of look on balance what's exactly. more important yeah. if somebody is on immunosuppressant medications yeah. what should they do to support their immune health I think definitely um, find out if you've got any gaps, um, any deficiencies in any of the key vitamins and minerals. I think vitamin A and vitamin D are quite important Mm. for the threshold of the immune system. Again, um, taking care of the diet, you might have a little bit more need for things like vitamin C, um, but it very depends on if you're deficient or not. And one of the best ways actually to avoid infection is... um, good uh, uh, hygiene and, yeah. and staying out of places where you know there's going to be infection. People kind of underestimate that but mm. um, yeah that's probably uh, a real uh, key thing yeah. to avoid. And and movement so getting the lymphatic flow going mm. uh, and really good sleep because um, sleep really uh, is detrimental to the natural killer cells. These are real viral and fighting cells that we have in the immune system. So. We haven't talked about sleep actually but no. there is a question about how sleep uh, impacts immune health. Yeah there's massive um, changes happen when we sleep in our immune system which is really really cool we have quite quite a lot of inflammatory cytokines go up in the blood but the cells go down and a lot of new cells are being produced and redistributed um, and there's a lot of drainage of, of all the tissues and the lymphatic so it's really quite an important restorative time particularly if you've been sick um, giving yourself time to rest and, and get that sleep is really important which is why I suppose when you get circadian rhythm disruption from yes. travel or from night shift work and there's loads of questions about night shift workers as well Uh, why that actually might lead to recurrent infections or general sort of fatigue and the whole plethora of other things that are happening it's really interesting actually when you start to look at circadian rhythms in the immune system it's like maybe about um, 80% of the immune system genes are under circadian control but not all of them and it's there's a lot of work to try and unpick what aspects of the immune system are and are not under circadian control and why that might be so it's definitely emerging and we know that circadian disruptions leaves you open to infection should i take vitamin d to improve my immunity yes well again vitamins to sort of plug deficiencies so it is likely if you live somewhere like uh, where we are now in the uk that in the winter you might get deficient in vitamin D. I think it's worthwhile getting checked. Vitamin D is really important to the immune system and not in a boosting fashion, but it no. actually regulates uh, and, and you know keeps the brakes on the immune system. Um, so it could be worth supplementing if you think you're deficient, uh, but it works hand in hand with so many other things. Yeah. So it needs vitamin K as well and it needs magnesium. So you kind of 
make sure you're getting those other factors into your diet. Interestingly, vitamin K is mostly produced by our microbiome. Yes. So make sure you're feeding the microbiome. Exactly. You can see how it's like a whole cascade of events. It always (laughs) comes back down to the microbiome. I remember I was was meant to be doing my nutritional medicine master's paper. And one of the essay options Mm -hmm. was uh, vitamin D and discussing the role for vitamin D supplementation in the UK. And I chose not to answer that because... It is so broad. And yeah. I only had 1,200 words. And it's yeah. so broad to go into all the different pleiotropic <laughs> yes. effects of vitamin D because oh, it's not yes. a vitamin, it's a hormone. It's a hormone, And a yeah. master regulator of hundreds yeah. of different genes. And you're like, you can't yes. even begin to imagine how important this thing I mean, is. The immune cells, most of them have vitamin D receptors on yes. them. So they're directly responding to vitamin PDRs, D. And yeah. then it's really changing their behavior and stuff. So yes, um, if you think you could be deficient... I think it's one that it's very hard to get from diet with vitamin D. Dr. Jenna, this has been a mammoth session. I know. <laughs> I think it's the longest pod we've had. Oh. And we're not even half of the way through of all the different things we should be talking about. We, we need so to, much to say. talk about inflammation in more detail, know, brain, lymphatics, all those are different things. We can um, do a part two. We'll have I to guess. do a part yeah. three, four, four. five. Yeah. <laughs> Just indulge me because I, I could talk about the immune system all day, every day. So. Good. Well, your passion certainly comes through. It's been thank an absolute you. pleasure. And we'll catch you another time. Yeah, thank you very much. That was a fascinating two-part episode with Dr. Jenna talking about everything to do with immunity. We still need to go into loads of other subjects, so we're going to have to get her back on the show and talk about brain health and inflammation and what role the immune system has in that. To summarise what we talked about in terms of improving your immune health are getting lots of different colours into your diet. These release different sorts of polyphenols that have plant hormetic effects a biphasic response whereby a little stressor actually encourages your body to produce an anti-inflammatory response and thus support your immune system. Nuts and seeds are fantastic sources of all the different minerals like zinc and selenium as well as vitamin E that are very necessary uh, components of your immune system. Fibre, fibre, fibre. She's a very big supporter of the notion of getting different types of fibre into your diet. So pulses, beans, legumes, loads of different recipes that you'll find on the doctor's kitchen.com as well as in my book the doctor's kitchen and eat to be illness as well jewish penicillin is a thing as we found out so furophane is something that you'll find in dark green leafy vegetables particularly brassica vegetables so brussels sprouts broccoli rocket cabbage all these different delicious foods that i will teach you how to make delicious meals out of and quality fats are very important particularly omega-3 that you'll find in wild fish also algae sources if you're vegan and you can supplement those as well that give you good amounts of epa and dha as well as nut seeds and lots of other marine plants as well you can find dr jenna at drjennamachoki.com also on Twitter at Dr. Mac and on Instagram, Dr. Jenna Machoki. She's got some great articles on her website. I highly recommend you check this out and they will be on the show notes on thedoctorskitchen.com. Make sure you subscribe to the Doctor's Kitchen podcast and give it a five-star review. It really does help people find the podcast who will find the information useful. Check out thedoctorskitchen.com for the show notes and I will see you next time. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 